Hi everyone, Steve Perriman here again. Thanks for um, thanks for listening. This will be my last one for a while. Probably start up again at the start of the new season. Uh, the reason being that we're in the process of selling up our house here in Limpstone and moving back closer to London. I want to be about halfway back, so it's a, a three-hour round journey instead of a six-hour to be closer to the majority of the family and Spurs if I want to go to games and the sort of M25 because it's it's that sort of area around London that I do any talks and stuff so so yeah so we're sort of planning to be moving here in about three weeks I think so of course all the packing and stuff that has to go on so good job I've got a, a wife that uh, is really organised about such things so I've really enjoyed um, doing the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to them. Um, it's been been good to think things through a bit and and to decide what to sort of feed to you um, and and to keep it fresh and real, which is important to me. Uh, so it's an interesting listen for for hopefully both Spurs fans and general football people as well. So um, there's no real theme to this last talk other than general football talk. Um, Stuff that I've encountered um, over the course of my time and um, and some explanation of of those thoughts. Uh, Some some that made me think a bit deeper and some that made me laugh uh, or at least give a more consideration uh, of, of this topics in this great game. So I hope, hope you enjoy listening. So I've had 50 years in the game. I've been, as I've explained to you in the past, I've been so, had so many helpers get me there to, to, to the level that I got to. And of course, then I've been happy to help um, some really good people along the way um, when they decide to to be players or coaches or managers. So people like Alex Inglethorpe, um, and John at at Spurs. Um, Alex is now at Liverpool. John, uh, I think, has left Spurs for the FA. Kenny Jacket. Uh, I gave him his first job as youth coach when I was manager of, of Watford, and he's been very successful at a number of clubs over the over the years. Phil Holder, good friend of mine. I got him into the game from outside. And he eventually took over from me at Brentford and was the first man in 40 years to get uh, get Brentford promoted to the old Division 2, now the Championship. So I speak to these people sometimes once a week, sometimes once a month, and a few of them maybe once a year, but you know, always interesting to talk to. So talking to Alex today, he came up with this saying. Remember, he's in youth development and has had a number of with John at Spurs, they and at, at Liverpool, they've had a number of young players come through their their system and their hands. So he said, "Talent gets a player to sixteen. Character stroke attitude gets you through that player through to thirty five. So what what does he mean by that? I mean, it's talent that gets the young player spotted, and and you then invite them in for training and 
and they play games for you at the weekends. But then the real stuff starts. You decide to turn them to a to a YTS player or an apprentice in my day. I describe a football career as like being in the Grand National. I mean by that that it's not it's not luck that gets you through your career right to the end of, of the race of the career. It's hard work, determination, little little bit of luck thrown in somewhere, but an overall strength of purpose and character. With an ability sometimes uh, through influence to, to stay humble. I think that's really important to stay humble. So don't get too high or too low when events take hold uh, for good or bad. So getting back to the Grand National, um, everyone starts off on the, on the start line when you're 16 YTS players. And you're off, off you go. You're off and running. And very soon, hurdles are coming up in your career, in the race. And you take the first hurdle and you are now in your flow of your career, of your race. And they're coming thick and fast, those, those hurdles, those fences. They get a bit higher and a bit wider. And in your football career, that's having to cope with an injury that maybe you've never had before. You know, a lot of players get hamstrings that they would never have had while they were a schoolboy player. And how that gives you a bit of a setback. You know, it's like a horse getting hit by the by the fence, but he's having to keep going because the jockey's whipping him on. And as I said, the, the, the fences get higher and wider and the, the water jump and you, you, you land on two feet in the water jump and you 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 put off balance and this could be meeting the wrong wrong girl who thinks that you know you've got to dedicate all your time to her when really the support people around young players have to take second place uh, because it's football that has to be the main the main purpose and everyone else has to get in line behind that football and some are just not prepared for that so so all in all it's a it's a long race there's lots of there's lots of ifs and buts there's a lot of different people to to give judgments on you lots of different opinions and as i keep saying the word relentless it is no easy thing to have a long career in football and thankfully i did i got through you know, a number of years, 19 years at Tottenham and a, a couple of years elsewhere. Delighted that I did. I'm very proud of what I did. And actually, you don't know that you're doing these things when you're in the career. But when you look back, well, I must have had a strong, a strong character, if you like, um, a strong purpose to override, you know, some of the nonsense that comes your way, you know, be it criticism, be it bad luck, be it loss of form, you've got to, you've got to actually overcome these hurdles and, and, uh, and then, you know, finish that race. And as Alex quite rightly said, it's character and attitude that gets you through to the finish line. 
of say 35 years old um so yeah uh, i talked about players uh, wasting their time in the afternoon maybe a young player gets involved in gambling or losing money and that puts extra pressure on your next next test your your exam of games that are coming up the bigger the game the more it is an exam than a test you're tested every day in training I personally didn't waste my time um snookerals or or betting shops whatever I with the influence of my middle brother Bill we opened a sports shop when I was 19 already played at Wembley, already making a name for myself, so it was no bad thing to have my name, Steve Perriman, above the the shop, albeit in West London. And, um, yeah, Bill, Bill was an important influence on me in those shop years. I think we ended up having shops nearly 30 years. So uh, so well done to him and his wife. And, and um, I used to go and do two weeks in the summer in our off season and it wasn't a particularly good time for me because I I was an outdoor person and I'm stuck indoors in that shop and you can imagine and I, I don't I'm not really a professional shop person do I know how to serve someone well okay I can be nice and and polite and stuff like that and try my best but I didn't really have the inner knowledge that say my brother would have so there was always a bit of an uneasiness in me, but it uh, it gave me a sort of realistic look at life that, you know, when we went from one store to about five or six, you know, you've got to employ people and, and pay those people well enough for them to act correctly, you know, under your name. And you realise the worth of, of, you know, when you give someone a rise because they're doing well, um, that all, they almost have to generate that extra money as well. So it's not just a case of giving handouts. Someone has to earn the rise and um, and then work harder for it. So so to own a shop was, well, I was probably in a different sort of mentality of of some players who, who were never put in that sort of situation. So um, the concerns of the shop from two managers, one was Bill Nick. He said to me one day, Bill Nicholson, um, Steve, don't go to that shop and be standing there for four hours this afternoon. Um, get home and get your feet up and rest. And of course, he was right to say that. Don't overdo anything. Um, I regard it as a good discipline to go to the shop to, to show Bill that I was supporting him and pick up stock on the way um, at various North London into West London um, manufacturers. One of those was um, uh, was Fred Perry, for instance. I think the factory was in, one of their factories at least was in Tottenham. And, and so I'm in the shop this day. Door rings because that means someone's coming in and it's a lady entering and I don't like it personally when I'm in a shop to be sort of dived straight upon by the by the assistant so as she's walking towards me and I'm looking at her sort of making one or two steps towards her I can see some type of panic in her eyes and eventually when we got closer she said 
have you got a Fred Perryman shirt? Of course, it's a Fred Perry shirt, but she was talking to Steve Perryman and this surprise sort of took her over, which I, I found quite funny. So I put her at her ease, let her know that we did have Fred Perry's in stock and therefore this is the stock and, and she made her choice. Keith Birkinshaw was another manager that worried about me having shops and the time that I he imagined that I was spending there. Um, but he used it to his own advantage one day when I was in uh, new contract talks with him. And you never match up what the club wanted to give you as per what you thought you were worth. So eventually he said to me, uh, Steve, why do you need a rise when you've got shops, sports shops? And although I don't think I said it back to him, can you imagine if I'd have used that as an argument for me? Keith, I need a bigger rise than you want to give me because my shops are doing poorly, doing badly, losing money. Can you imagine if I used that argument? He would say, I'm sure, knowing Keith and both him and Bill the same, would have told me them shops have got nothing to do with us. We're a football club and you earn football money, which is exactly how it should have been. So one another time I was in the shop during my two weeks every summer. Um, of course, reps are calling in all the time from companies. And this chap walked in and probably in his 50s and he looked at me, probably 19, and he saw this young chap in front of him. So he said, OK, uh, get me the owner, please. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I am the owner. I'm one of two owners, but I'm the only one that's here today. And the look on his face was one of surprise. And I suppose in the end, hopefully he realised that my name was above the door. So, um, so he treated me with the respect that I deserved. I mean, not because I'm a football player, because I'm, I'm in front of you now and let's, let's start talking about what you want to talk about. So, all in all, being in that shop two weeks every summer, which I really do tell you, I didn't enjoy that much. I was tied down. I was indoors. and um, But, of course, it brings a reality to your life of, of how business is run and how it works. And the hard work it is, not just in the shop, behind the scenes with Bill's wife to pay the bills, how quickly you pay the bills, etc. Not that I was involved in that, but, but someone has to be. It's a fact of life. So I saw it as a as a, a really good um, put me on an even kill, if you like, because most of my life I was, you know, being applauded by supporters or cheered by supporters and and stuff like that. One thing that did worry me about the shop was that, um, of course, I'd be asked to do presentations at clubs that we were serving or maybe clubs we weren't serving. So. Um, this one day, chap went into the shop, was talking to Bill, my brother. I'm not there. And he said to my brother, really surprised Steve didn't turn up on Thursday night to the 
Sandgate, for instance, Sandgate Club presentation. Bill would have said, oh, I'm surprised at that, 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 um, that never happens. Anyway, that night he phoned me, Steve, you didn't turn up at Sandgate on Thursday Club. So I said, Bill, I don't know anything about that presentation. I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I mean, I might have, I might uh, forget things these days, being sixty-eight, but I certainly didn't forget things in my late teens, early twenties. So, um, and Bill, of course, trusted me because he knew how uh, responsible I was. If I said I would do something, I did it. And it wasn't if it was any hardship because it was in the area where I lived. I lived not that far from, from the shops at the time. So um, it, it wasn't putting me out in any, any type of way. So, so anyway, we looked into it and this man who made this comment in a committee meeting was asked, would he speak to Steve Perriman? Yes, I know Steve Perriman. I, I'll, I'll go and talk to him and, and hopefully he'll do the presentation for us. Well, he obviously forgot or for whatever reason did not ask me. So when he got asked at the next committee meeting, is Steve Perryman doing doing the presentation? He said, yes, it's been dealt with. He's doing it. So, of course, when I tur didn't turn up, then what else could he say? He couldn't own up to having forgotten to ask me. So those things could happen. They are really frustrating. It gives you a bad name when you when you don't really deserve it. I certainly didn't deserve it with regard to the time I spent at um, at small clubs doing this sort of stuff. Um, I I really appreciated it when I was a young player, young schoolboy getting presented with school prizes and stuff um, by someone who put herself out. To, uh, Alex Stock was one, for instance, the manager of QPR at the time. He was always at our Ealing uh, schools presentations and it just gives it that bit of extra uh, meaning to the to the trophy that you're, you're collecting. The fact that someone is, um, from the professional world has put herself out to come and uh, come and present it to you. So another frustration was um, one day Peter Shreve asked us all to uh, turn up to an, an event in the West End, actually, in, um, in London. And charity event, so you don't have to say yes to it. A percentage of us said yes. So I went Sunday evening. Unfortunately, on the Saturday, we'd lost 3-1 up at Middlesbrough. So the point of you being there is you take time to speak to people and sign what they want, needed signing and, and they were turning up to see you and support their charity or their club, whatever it was raising money for. I think it was a Greek club, but it doesn't matter what it was. Anyway, this chap eventually sort of, can I talk to you? Yeah. So he sort of pinned me in the corner and said, I went to Middlesbrough yesterday. Oh, okay, not very good, was it? No, not only was it not very good, I don't think the team tried. I think you were you were clueless, you were you were awful, you were I spent X amount of pounds and time to get up to there and uh, it that level of performance is not is not acceptable 
and you obviously don't care about the fans making that journey. So in such conversations, I normally said, well, my brother and father made that same journey. So, okay, I can only talk for myself, and but my team as well, actually. But, but trust me, that was not about not trying. That's, I, I, I'm not a non-trier. I, uh, you know, if my brother and my father are there, whether they're there or not. Spurs people are there that have paid money and time and energy to be there. I'm going to try my best. So he kept on and on and on. And he, he brought out the usual one of I'm paying your wages. And I said, well, if that's right, and of course that was right in Bill Nicholson's day and Keith Birkinshaw's day, you know, that's where the main amount of money was coming from to pay the bills. And one of the main bills was the players' wages. So in effect, you could be right in those days. So um, I would normally say, well, if it is you that I need to come to for a rise, I don't think I'm getting enough money. I'm not getting paid enough for, for what I do. But I don't think he's going to take this this reasoning uh, in, his, in his state of mind during this conversation. So eventually he was going on a bit too long. And um, so I said, OK, so talking about Middlesbrough and how long it took you to get there and get home and the money it cost you, etc. How did you think, I know you said the team was rubbish, but how did you think Ozzy Ardiles played? He said he was the shining light. He was the best player. He showed the rest of you how the game should be played with his energy, etc. And all relevant things about Ozzy Ardiles. So eventually I said to this chap, now go as far away from me as you possibly can because Ozzy Ardiles did not play. Ozzy was injured and therefore you didn't go up to Middlesbrough. You did not waste your time and energy. So guess what? Off. So things like that happen within your career. This is probably an Arsenal supporter who knows Chelsea who just wanted to have a, have a go. So this is coming to the end of my uh, podcast now for a few weeks. Uh, I think it's on 22 and a half minutes. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to not only these ramblings, but the ramblings of the previous podcasts. Um, you'll notice within what I've been talking about, I'm not interested to talk about the current situation, the win, the loss this new player, that player, should they have bought this one? Should they not have sold him? Should they buy it? Whatever. You know much more than I do. I'm, I'm from afar and I don't have any real contacts inside the club. So I really just want to talk about what I know about. And I ask you all to realise that, that being a manager of a football club, although of course well paid, is a very, very tough job because everyone knows how to do it better than you. And we'd all, we'd all pick a different team and we'd pick a better team, of course, and we'd lose less games. But the man in the pole position, be it Potch or be it Mourinho now, you know, there is a mistake waiting around every corner be it your selection of players, be it the time the bus leaves the hotel to get to the the next game. You know, maybe today at Crystal Palace, they'd have had a pre-match meal somewhere. What time do they leave the hotel to get to the game? So there's no stress, no worry. 
there's substitutions, there's, there's thousands and thousands of decisions every day. And I sometimes think this about, um, and of course the best managers make the least mistakes. So I sometimes think this about the TV pundits, um, that it's easier to talk about what just happened And the manager who has to talk about what he thinks will happen as per his selection and his changes at half time and that sort of stuff. So I do think that sometimes the so-called experts should um, should have a little try at management itself, even a Sunday team. And you'll find out how, how difficult it is, all these different characters and what it takes to to turn them on and fit them together to enable you to to show the best performance that you've you've got inside you so yeah um thanks for listening and um keep well all of you and uh, i do appreciate all your comments um, through this period of podcasts that i've done and therefore thank you for your support it's been great and um keep checking when i'm starting again but it'll be around about when the new season starts which is as much your you'd have as good a guess at that as, as I could so yeah keep well